Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Athletic. The race is on, and Alpine concluded F1's launch season by revealing its new car in an event in East London, showing the A523 machine that it hopes will get it closer to third place in the championship this year. But can Alpine really make progress towards the top three, or will it once again struggle to strike out from the front of the midfield? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to explain all is Scott Mitchell-Malm. Well, we're going to take a slightly different approach to this podcast and take you inside the launch. Hopefully, this will give you a taste of what it's like to be there from Scott and myself. This is the only real-world launch this year that we've both been able to get to, owing to the way the schedule has panned out, so you'll hear from us at various stages of the launch as we bring you all the news and chat from the reveal of the Alpine A523. Well, inspired by you, Scott Mitchell Malm, I've taken a bit of a leaf out of your book. We're roving today. <laughs> You've done your recent reports from Bologna Airport and various places. Heathrow Airport. Heathrow well. Airport, absolutely. So, can you just illuminate the listeners as to where we are? Yeah, right. This this time, I'm uh, I'm outdoors this time instead of uh, inside a, uh, an airport. We're actually outside uh, Printworks near uh, near Canada Water uh, Station. Well, that's where I came from, anyway, for the Alpine launch. So we're actually outside, um, about to go in. Um, there's sort of a 45-minute arrival window, which we're eating into by recording this podcast. That's just how committed we are. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. It's uh, like on-site event, on-site events and launches are good fun. Cars in the background, obviously, a little bit more disruptive. But I feel like there was a huge, huge queue of people just now. <laughs> Fortunately, just as we went to fire up to start recording, it did start to dissipate because I opened it and everybody could start to to pile in. But there's a massive, massive crowd here. I think it's a it's more of a party than a car launch. Yeah, we are in the very glamorous location of literally on a street corner at this particular moment. So we're basically standing in the mud in a, in a hedge. But uh, but it gives you a bit of a feel of the of the atmosphere, although the atmosphere has just been moving inside. But let's set the scene, though, Scott. Alpine. It's dark. <laughs> yes, that, I guess that goes without saying. It is an evening launch, of course. Yeah, it's dark, so we can't see very far. But I was more thinking about the Alpine scene. So this is a team that's obviously ambitious it wants to take a step in this famous 100 race plan assuming that hasn't reset again at the start of this year so what are we looking at with Alpine we're looking at a team that at the end of last year set a really bold goal I think anyway for this year the only goal they can set which is to to be that team that bridges the gap from the midfield to to the top three the established top three but the reason I think is bold and a bit ambitious and very possibly 
unachievable is they want to be closer to third in the championship this year than fifth. Now, given the size of the gap to Mercedes last year, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I'm thinking it was like it was over 200, 240 points or something like that. It might even be way even more than that. Um, see, that, that person clearly agrees with me that Alpine's targets are completely <laughs> unachievable. I think they think the gap was even higher. Yeah, exactly. This is the perils of the behind-the-scenes podcast that we're trying to do. The point is, they were only like 14 points clear of McLaren last year and hundreds of points behind Mercedes. I don't see how they can chip away at that gap enough over one winter. They're absolutely right as a works team in Formula 1 to be aiming to, to do that, but I just don't see how they can do that in, in one normal winter. I think the important thing for them is to see signs of progress because they've butted up against this glass ceiling at the top of the midfield before they were there back in 2018, but they weren't able to build on that because we were always we were all talking about them in 2019 being able to close that gap, start to bridge across. They didn't and they just sort of bounced around a bit in the midfield. So I think last year... It's not where Alpine needs to be. It is a fully worked team, as you say. But if it's a step on that path, it was actually quite a good little season in terms of the fact they had a car that worked pretty well. They seemed to understand it pretty well. The updates generally worked. Particularly the floor updates seem to go well. So they seem to be in the relatively early part of that curve of progression of getting up towards the front. So I guess that's what makes this season quite interesting. Can they shuffle at least in the right direction? It's that um, trade-off, I think, between whether or not they've got a car last year that was just like the, at the beginning of a development curve or one that was sensible, a bit safe, easy to understand, really good for the start of a set of regulations but doesn't have that potential to improve. But hopefully, unless they're pulling the wool, wool over our eyes and this isn't actually going to be the real thing, the car that we're about to see might start to answer a few of those questions. Well, the car, of course, has run, hasn't it, at Silverstone a few days ago. Was it on Monday? I think it was on Monday, wasn't it? I think so, yes, because it was part of the um, launch madness where you had the Williams shakedown, you had two formal launches for McLaren and Aston, and then you had news that the Alpine had appeared at the end of the day as well. Yeah, and we have seen a few glimpses of it in some distant spy shots. It does look like a fairly logical evolution, but we will see more detail of that car. But it'll be interesting to see what the messaging is as well from the team. That's always important at the launches. Obviously, Lauren Rossi, the head of Alpine cars, will be there. So what do you think he's going to be saying? Do you think he'll be super upbeat and optimistic, or do you think they'll be managing expectations? I think there's going to be quite a lot of um, optimism and sort of not, not necessarily promises. I don't think they're going to overreach, but I think they have to be um, confident and, and positive. Otherwise, they're going to give away that they've had a bad winter because they did end the year last year, fourth fastest car, fourth best team, fourth in the championship. Any indication that they're not ready to build on that this year is an indication that the winter's not gone very well. And I, I don't strike, Lauren Rossi doesn't strike me as the kind of person that really wants to be admitting that at this stage. And of course, it'll be the first kind of joint Alpine public appearance for the new driver lineup, Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon, who you're anticipating driving into each other at some point this season. Presumably they'll avoid it in the launch. Yeah, I would imagine that they're going to be quite well behaved tonight. <laughs> you would imagine so, but I guess there's a lot riding on that driver lineup, isn't it? They've lost Fernando Alonso, rather unpleasant circumstances surrounding everything from their perspective. They thought Alonso was going to sign for them. He didn't. They thought they had Piastri. They didn't. They didn't have the contract right, so Piastri was entirely free to, to move on. So there's quite a lot riding on the Gasly gamble because it's cost them as well. Yeah, it has. There's something that's been quite um, expensive, um, just purely financially, to, to buy him out of his Red Bull contract and there is a question mark over that driver lineup. It could end up being the weakest part of the Alpine package this year if they if they build on last year with the car and the the engine. If they fix the reliability things. It could be the drivers that you're looking at and saying, right, are you the reason that they're not making progress in the championship? So it's going to be all down to them because if they underperform, Alpine won't finish fourth, which is the the bare minimum they need to do this year. 
I think the last thing I need to do is slip off the top of that midfield. That's absolutely key. Well, we're going to work our way inside, partly because it's time to and partly because there's only so many times I can be looked at like a madman as we're standing talking on this street corner. So you'll hear from us shortly from inside the Alpine launch. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, we've made it inside. A slightly more epic journey than we thought, Scott. Perhaps you could describe the scenes. Oh, I don't like that you're making me the person that has to do the complaining. Um, no, so um, we, we moved inside the, the, the venue only to find uh, two big queues uh, leading inside a pretty grand arena. I've never been to Printworks before, the old printing facility for newspapers like uh, I think the Daily Mail, maybe the Mail on Sunday, maybe both, I'm not entirely sure. Um, got sort of into this sort of like giant hangar area where I think it was the old loading bays actually for when the, the papers were printed. It's actually quite a cool location, yeah, so it, you can really see it where they back up the vans yeah, to. It is. So that that's that's really cool. What was less cool was a slightly chaotic organisation in terms of like trying to get in and then everyone's got to get their accreditation. There are lots and lots of people here. What would you say? Hundreds? I think there's there's, there's easily yeah. yeah easily hundreds of people. We've seen lots of journalists already. Maybe if. Uh, any of them sort of wander over this way in the time in which we're recording and might grab one just to sort of see how they're feeling. But yeah, we have made it inside. We are waiting for the uh, for, for everything to begin. I think we're, what, about 10, five or 10 minutes away from being ushered into the, the car event or the, the display area, wherever that is in here, because it is absolutely massive. We're sort of in a room currently that is largely dark, but also has some blue lights. So we can see the, we can see the event space where they're going to launch it, but it's behind curtains. Curtains is a rather humbling way of putting it. There's, you know what it reminds me of here? If anyone's ever been to the Autosport International show and been to the live action arena, I'm, oh, getting, yeah, that, yeah, I'm yeah. getting that kind of vibe it's at the moment. It's kind of arena within a, within a building, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. With lots of lighting. It's very, very dark, but also very, very bright in places, but you still can't see anything wherever you go. I guess the positive thing is we have got in. I was a bit worried we might not get in in time, but uh, I do hope Alpine organised their season and their production of a car a little bit better than the queuing was uh, was managed. Well, they might not that. make the start of the season if they don't, because uh, there are some people still queuing to get in. So. Yeah, we weren't the quickest because we were hanging around outside to talk to you. Podcasting for some reason. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> podcasting from a, from a street corner, but there were quite a lot of people behind us for the uh, arrival span, so very interesting. But it's quite nice and convivial in here. I'm interested to see what we're going to get. So I'm thinking, Scott, what do you expect? I think it could be a bit style over substance, this one. That's my initial prediction. Well, I, yeah, I described it, I think, when we were outside. as like this is more of a party than, than a car launch, and that is absolutely 100% the vibe I'm getting now that we're inside car-wise. We know they shut the car down earlier this week. I'm, they're going to show something physical here. They have to with an event like this. I'm sort of thinking it's 2022 show car with some 2023 bits on it. The renders will look a bit different. And I'm wondering if across everything we'll actually see the same thing that we sort of saw from the leaked images from the shakedown. I have a feeling we won't. I think there'd be no excuse not to have the real car. It ran at Silverstone the other day. Endstone's not far away. It's not like it needs to be freighted quite this quickly. So I think there's no excuse not to launch a real car here. Well, no, no excuse, but I think they'll... It's very easy to find one when you're an F1 team, and I'm guessing wheeling it into sort of southeast London is probably not the sort of thing that they want to be doing at this stage of testing just around the corner. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's not the absolute 100% genuine article. 
yeah, you're not going to learn a great deal about the car from wheeling it around this part of the world. But certainly, this is the most event-like of the launch events, isn't it? Uh, yeah, event in terms of sort of spectacle and, as you say, that sort of style over substance element. But I have to say, um, give me Ferrari rolling their car out at Fiorano any time the, over this. I must admit, this, uh, this event, the party goes on till 1am apparently, which obviously is meant to be a good thing, but I'm sort of looking at it thinking, oh, that's far too late. We've got, we've got videos to make and articles to write and more podcasts to record. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I, I, I certainly won't be here until then. We're going to be absolutely cracking on. But hopefully our genius plan to take the podcast behind the scenes to a launch Maybe I think I feel like we need to be honest and just say like part of that is because we don't want to be up at 1 a.m. recording everything in the in the style that we have for other launches. So a bit of absolute pure honesty there for for you, dear listener. And we're also creating a great vision of the glamour. To be absolutely fair, we are currently sort of in a corner in the dark, away from people by bare concrete walls. So it's not the most glamorous little corner we're in here, but it's uh, it's got a very nice, it's a nice industrial space. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd like to, it's a shame actually we couldn't be a little bit more roaming in the way that we're doing this because it would have been quite fun to sort of wander around. But I also think we're, we already look like idiots standing over here. If we were then walking around at someone else's event starting to try and interview people, we'd probably look like absolute morons and we, well, I think we'd embarrass ourselves. Yeah, let's at least keep out of the way. But we're going to join you later once we've seen the launch of the car, tell you what we've seen, what we've learned and hopefully give you a bit of a taste of the main event. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, producer Johnny here, interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best, and that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. Is versatile, high quality and durable, and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the Commuter Collection, and I can tell they're going to be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The Commuter Collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Well, we've seen the launch. We're hanging around outside. You will hear some attendees working their way out, although many will hang around for the revelries that will go on for a while. What did you make of this epic launch, I think we can call it? Yeah, it was, um, 
It was it was a long one. Um, there were certainly some decent elements of uh, of substance within it. My my personal highlight was technical director Matt Harmon up on stage walking around the quote unquote car because it, it wasn't the it wasn't the real thing. I wanted to shout encore after that and get him to do some more because that's just what I wanted. Yeah, exactly. Just... He's and he's really good at that. I remember speaking to him about this actually last year, and he was saying he's that's him in his comfort zone. He he doesn't like really talking too much about it or he was nervous I think when they did the launch last year about talking through the car when they when he said if he can have the car with him and just walk around it and they said yes like he's like oh well that's fine then so even though he's not pointing at the actual thing they've done he can just he can look at the suspension and talk through the work they've done on the front suspension at the rear of the car in particular because we should stress the car he was pointing at, the Blue Alpine, wasn't a real car. They were both show cars that were on the stage. The real car did shake down at Silverstone earlier in the week, but it wasn't here. Yeah, exactly. So um, that was my personal highlight. Um, I think the more tech, the more explanation of, of what you've done differently, whether it's in a, you know, a video, whether it's a real event like this with them talking through it, whether it's just you know copy in a press pack talking through the stuff, some of the stuff they've done that's the key because the the people that act, if you want to be if you want to pay attention to a car launch you want to see a car you want to learn about a new car so that was my highlight and also one thing i would add just from that launch because it did drag on a little bit like this answer um the the race her program that alpine launched last year was a very very prominent part of this launch i think they spent a little bit too much they uh, they, they dragged it out a bit too much and my fear with that is that you then just have people that don't really like follow it it just sort of glossed they it, it passes over them but there were some really core important interesting details in that my favorite part of that is that they've added a karting program to to that because i've long felt that the effort to address the lack of gender diversity in motorsport crucially omits grassroots which is obviously something that this will try to to assist with that's the key point and it's great they brought up a group of carters female young carters up onto stage that was a, a good thing yeah it's a good program as you say but part of a slightly lengthy launch i think it's fair to say although zinedine zidane's appearance at the end i did quite like that wasn't too bad yeah it was part of a really impressive list of uh, special guests this evening um, nicola adams zara rutherford as well um, and zidane sort of featured as sort of part of that in terms of bringing him into the organization these are ambassadors partners people that can bring experience motivate inspire obviously performing different functions at different points within within the business but they they lent heavily on that and i think they they chose those people quite quite cleverly so it had some meaning it wasn't just putting people up on stage for the sake of it which was good yeah i must say it was a bit of a mixed bag the launch there was quite a bit of disorganization as we alluded to earlier and i did make the joke in our live coverage on the race website that it was perhaps organized by the person that uh, did the uh, piastri contract last year friend of the podcast ted kravitz is just walking out of the building oh, there now is, at the there moment. he is he's, he's just, caught us in the act this is interesting it's, it's, it's a role reversal no one it, ted's not used to people recording and <laughs> seeing him <laughs> excellent this, this is what people he, he now knows what it's like when he's doing his paddock uh, his paddock roamings as I, as I like to call them yeah exactly no that's funny that's good that's why we're doing this a little bit behind the scenes exactly exactly but yeah i say it was a little bit disorganized and i don't think it necessarily put the best foot forward for alpine in terms of in terms of the style over substance See, element would, would you like the opportunity to uh, reiterate your own your very very good joke in the from the race live hub well I, I was mentioning that when you got distracted by ted kravitz the piastri line yes yes it was uh, whoever did the contract to organize this which wasn't ideal and it, it i must admit there was there were points during that launch when i 
I got rather um, my, my my expectations for Alpine actually dropped during it because of some of the nonsense that was going on in it. But there were some good bits as well. But let's come back to the technical side because Matt Harmon was the star. He was very good at talking through some of the key changes and the sort of concepts, just in basic terms. But that really makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really important to to be able to do that, especially. I mean, it's a little bit difficult when you don't have the the real car with you because we can't see those differences as he's talking through it. But I think once you, because as we will do, that we'll have a video on the races YouTube channel, for example. There'll be articles that we write that will be paired with the correct images. Once we're able to 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 combine what he said with actual images of the car, it's going to be so much easier for people to grasp what they've tried to achieve and where they've put the work in, which is so important because like the tech side of things really does matter. It's where a lot of the interest in F1 lies even now when it becomes increasingly entertainment focused and that maybe that sporting technical side for some people is diluted a bit too much so that kind of thing is absolutely brilliant i mean some of the stuff that he said on stage and also i i heard from him afterwards in the media sessions as well he's really passionate about the work that they've done he's really optimistic i think he's particularly proud of what they've done at the rear of the car we haven't seen that but there's a suspension change isn't there ed which we kind of spotted on the leaked shakedown images from earlier in the week yeah they've gone to push rod they said that's all about getting a bit lighter at the back as well, changing the configuration of that to, to save some weight. Also, a little bit of error opportunity in that, so that's why they did it. But I think there's some clever stuff we can't see in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I, and, and Harman actually did say this to us in the media session that, that, that we had with him 10 minutes or so, where he said, once you see some proper images of the car from Bahrain, you'll see, I think, why we're, we're so proud of it. But that weight loss element is, is important because it's not just that. They've reconfigured some of the cooling elements, which was something I expected. I was... It's, I need to see some p pictures properly so I can try and see if I can sit with the naked eye, but there are definitely uh, changes to the, what he calls the heat projection system, so the, the cooling layout, just to remodify, uh, remodel some stuff, modify the way that they have the, 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 the airflow around the back of the car, but also try and take some weight out of it because I think they did, I think they felt that they over overcompensated last year on the heat rejection side. Well, very much. They've moved around the cooling stuff partly, but they've also reduced some of it in size. So that's the key thing. So that has opened up some opportunity. That's why some of the side pod and the engine cover are more compact. And when you put all of that together, you have a car that is now apparently under the weight limit. And I know we obviously started last year with Sauber definitely having done a great job of getting their car at least on the weight limit but I haven't heard a team talk openly about being below the weight limit. So he's talking about putting ballast in the car now, messing with the weight distribution. He called it a, a toy that they now have to play with on the vehicle dynamics side. Yeah, it makes a difference. I thought Wolf might have hinted at it in the Mercedes thing because he, he talked about the, getting down to the weight limit and then he readjusted it and said our weight targets because the weight target is under the weight limit for the reasons you just explained. But there's changes on the front suspension as, as well. The same concept It's still a pushrod front suspension, but they've changed the wishbone. There's quite a lot in there as well that they've, they've tried to optimise get the airflow right, change the nose structure as well, flatter nose structure, probably lighter as well. Yeah, I think so. I think that's taken a little bit of, of weight out of it. I was going to mention the, the nose structure because actually changes on the front of the car, whether it's the wing or the nose, a bit less common in this rule set, right? Because the the focus is obviously on the, 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 the floor, the underfloor, and then I think a lot of work on suspension elements in particular. Last year, so few front wing changes for example <laughs> but they've got to the point now where it's all about how you condition that airflow to introduce it primarily to the underfloor how you can i mean matt Harmon talked about this as well how you split off what airflow goes in under the into the floor what goes around the outside obviously managing the the turbulent wake off the open open front wheels is a problem and the suspension isn't just there to hold the wheel on it's there to 
condition that airflow and that works for the front wing. So this is an area, you're right, that people are now looking at more because they've kind of got the low-hanging fruit in terms of how they get the floor working, but now it's all about just improving the airflow you're presenting to it. I, I apologise if there are other elements of the launch or what we heard or anything like that, that that you wanted to talk about, so I might be jumping the gun here, but there was one thing that I wanted to, to ask you on because I sort of have a, an idea of this in my mind, but has what you've not necessarily seen because uh, we haven't actually had as much view of the images that probably people listening to this podcast actually have at this point from what you've heard and from what we're obviously in con in conversation with our colleagues who have had a look at the images does the initial reveal discussion around the uh, the 23 alpine does it make you more confident that that target, which we heard a lot about through that launch, of closing that gap by in a big way, being a dominant fourth, which is quite a strange thing to hear, closing that gap to the top three in a big way, is that achievable or is it? do you buy into it a little bit more based on what you've heard there, how you've heard Harman talk about his new car? Yeah, certainly on the technical side, what Harman said, everything he said made sense and was logical and it's consistent with the basic things that teams are trying to do. So that all made sense. That shows it's a coherent plan. They know where they've tried to get the gains, open things up, improve things aero-wise, create that, that opportunity. Whether they've done it right is impossible to tell. The track will tell you that, but presumably they've got a decent command of that. So yeah, it's very promising from that perspective. They've not done anything massively flashy. Obviously that big gully down the side pod's quite dramatic, but there's a sound reason for that. And it's, it's not a flashy new idea they've just thrown on for the sake of it. So yeah, I mean, the net gain might be neutral in terms of my expectations because parts of the launch didn't <laughs> impress me. There was a lot of sort of corporate nonsense attached to it. But so uh, when you ignore what people like Rossi and DeMaio were saying and listen to people like Harmon, it's a bit more, it's a bit more interesting and a bit more upbeat, I would say for them. But that targets winning the midfield, perfectly possible. Winning the midfield better than last year, perfectly possible. Closing on the top three. Yeah, I think they can inch up a little bit. There was that target that I think Otmar Safnau talked about at the end of last year about get being closer to the top three than, than they are fifth behind. That's where it gets difficult. Yeah, exactly. That's I think that's what we were talking about earlier. And I just think however much more optimistic you could be after hearing or seeing whatever about the Alpine from the launch, I think you just can't underestimate um, how you sure you shouldn't underestimate just how big a challenge that is. They can take they can take a hundred, hundred and fifty points out of that gap and they still won't be closer to third than they are fifth. So it's a huge, huge ask. And that's fine. They don't need to be up there. They need to be on a continuing trajectory, as I mentioned earlier. Keep making gains, keep improving, unleash the potential of that team. But overall, unless you've got anything to add Verdicts on the Alpine launch and winner of launch season overall in terms of the event? Um I would say that this sort of slots into it's certainly top half, on-site event, technical director present, talking in an engaging way, running through the changes, loses marks for quite, an, quite a, a lot of chaos around it, quite a drawn out, dragged out launch that got lost a little bit. Um, and then also I think one other element that um, obviously it loses marks on is there wasn't the real car on stage as well. So I think I'd put that at the lower end of the, the live launches, I'd maybe even put it behind Mercedes just in terms of actually what you could see and what was done around it. So it's a top fourth or fifth place. Nothing beats Ferrari overall. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Ferrari, because I had the car running and everything about it was, was great. I'd, I'd probably put Aston Martin second, but I was up at Aston Martin as well. So it's been a mixed bag of a launch season. Midfield finish for Alpine when it comes to that. And yeah, while there was a lot of chaff in that presentation, could have been more condensed. There was some.
real substance in it as well. So positive from that perspective. Well, thanks very much, Scott Mitchell Malm, for joining me. And to everyone else, you can still hear people filtering past in the background that were all part of the launch. So great insight from you, Scott. Great background noise from them. Head to the race.com. Don't forget the hyphen loads to read there. Check out our sister podcasts, including Bring Back VSANS and also our YouTube channel where we always do technical analysis of the new cars as they come out. Well, that's launch season done, but we're not finished here. So stay with us for everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. The Athletic.